Welcome inside a brand new episode of the All Hoops Podcast. I'm Steve Inman, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Brito. We're here with an emergency episode of the All Hoops Pod to talk about one of the biggest trades in years as James Harden is heading to Brooklyn as part of a four-team deal. After that, we're going to discuss the Knicks coming back down to earth after their best week in nearly a decade. But before we get to all that, Chris, my friend, how are you? What's up, Stevie? Listen, the Nets... Rocked the NBA world with that James Harden trade. I think this puts him right up there in the category of the finals contender list. It's hard. It's you know, this was this was this was all something that came about really in the last 24 hours. You heard James Harden complain about being in Houston, saying that he did all he could in Houston, but now it seems that Brooklyn will be now his his home for the next foreseeable future and the Nets just skyrocketed up above the Eastern Conference and I think they're the favorites along with the Lakers to win the NBA title yeah we're we're gonna get to we're gonna get to the Nets and see what their deficiencies are now are they the team to beat but first let's get into this trade I want you Chris to rank all four teams and their returns in this but let me first tell the our listeners what the actual trade was first the Nets, they got James Harden. They also got a 2024 second-round pick from Cleveland. The Rockets got Victor Oladipo, Dante Exum, Rodney Karuks, three Brooklyn first-rounders, which happened to be unprotected in 2022, 24, and 26, and a Milwaukee Bucks first-round pick, 2022 unprotected. They also have the right to swap picks with Brooklyn for the rest of the decade almost, from 2021 to 2027. The Pacers got Karis LeVert, and a second rounder, the Cavs got Jared Allen and Torian Prince. So, Chris, I want you to rank these teams in order of how much you liked the return back. Okay, so I think you have to put the Nets first because you get the best player in the deal, which is James Harden. I don't think any of the haul that you just mentioned comes close to what James Harden is as a player. Um, and considering what the Nets gave up, they didn't give up much. I mean, it does hurt to part ways with Karis LeVert. And Jared Allen, but you already have enough offense on that team now with James Harden. You have another incredible playmaker on that team. How do you guard Durant and James Harden? But the bigger question is, how do you share the ball? Um, and I think with the looming absence of Kyrie Irving, the addition of James Harden just makes the team sort of miss him less. And who knows when he'll be back with the team. We still don't know what the situation is with that. I think the Pacers will probably be the, the, the team, the second team with the best return, you know, getting a player like Karis LeVert. We saw him shine in the bubble a few months ago. This, this, I, I think the Rockets also had a decent return, but clearly not as close to what was reported in the last few months. You know, getting all these draft picks, you know, is a, it's, it's always a great thing. It's always great assets to have. And now you're going to pair... John Wall, Boogie Cousins, and Christian Wood with um, with with Victor Oladipo, who is, you know, he's making his way back after getting that serious injury. He's shown flashes of being the player that he was, and I think the Houston Rockets will probably make the playoffs with this current team if, if John Wall and Boogie and all of them are healthy. I think it's a good enough team to make the playoffs, but you, you are never going to get a return 
that was comparable for someone like James Harden. Now you have to hope that the Nets suck in a few years, but it'll be an interesting situation to see play out. And the Cavs will probably be the team that got the worst return in this, but you know, getting a talented center like Jared Allen, who they will probably invest in this summer, and Torian Prince are, you know, they're they're formidable ads um, for a team that you know probably just wanted to sneak in and get rid of some stuff. Um, that's how I would go about it. But the Nets are the clear winners in this trade. Yeah, I think uh, you made a great point as the team that got the best player in the deal. I think you could easily say the Nets. I'm going to go with the Pacers here, Chris, because you look at what was going on in Indiana, and this team was going from a Victor Oladipo team to a Debonis Sabonis team. He's really emerged as the best player on this roster. And you turn a situation where Oladipo reportedly wanted to trade, then he said he didn't want to trade, and you turn you know half a year, three quarters of a year of Victor Oladipo into three years at cheaper money in Karis LeVert. I think that's brilliant. I think that was such a great thing for them to do. Keep in mind, no one really remembers this, but a long, long time ago, the Nets traded Thaddeus Young to Indiana, and Indiana sent back a you know, early 20s first-round pick. And that first-round pick became Karis LeVert. So here we go, Karis LeVert, back to, you know, where he was quote-unquote drafted from because, you know, I think that's a great fit. I think it's going to be a really good marriage there. Obviously, the Brooklyn Nets, they're my number two here. You got the best player of the deal in James Harden. I don't know who's going to play defense there. I'm not sure if it's even going to matter, but it's a high-risk, high-reward deal for them. They're trading, you know, Houston has the rights to their picks from now until 2027. That's as simple as it gets. So if they these three guys can play together and stick it out, then it's going to be a great deal for Houston, for uh, for Brooklyn, whether they win a championship or not. And if those guys don't stick around, it's going to be a great deal for Houston. Uh, I'm going to go Cleveland number three. Look, I mean, yes, they, they got the least amount back in the deal, but they also gave up the least amount. So, you know, they gave up this Bucks 2022 unprotected pick. That's going to be, what, like the 30th pick of the draft, the 28th pick of the draft a year and a half from now for a very good young center in Jared Allen. I don't really get the fit. I don't think, you know, I didn't really get when they traded for Drummond last year because you had Kevin Love, you have Larry Nance, and now you're adding, you know, Jared Allen to Drummond and Love and Larry Nance. So I'm and Javel McGee is still there. He's playing well. So I'm very confused what the plan is there because you know Jared Allen's a good young big. I think he's you know I would rather have him long term than Drummond. But you have to pay Jared Allen. Jared Allen's going to get a big contract, obviously, and you just gave up a first round pick to get him. So I think it puts a lot of pressure on Cleveland now to say we're going to pay him. How does that work? Do you get a good evaluation, Chris, of Jared Allen when you have Andre Drummond still there? Because I don't think they there's really a market for Andre Drummond. This is also a team with the worst offense in basketball, worse than the New York Knicks, believe it or not. So I don't really know how they're going to be able to sell dumping Andre Drummond. You're going to have to play those two guys, you know, together. Allen's going to have to play, you know, on the bench a lot. And I, I don't see how that's going to fit but I give them credit for going out and getting an asset. And then lastly, Chris, the Houston Rockets. And this is what I want to bring up. There was reports all day that Ben Simmons was gettable and they were offering Ben Simmons and Tybal and picks for Harden. But the Rockets were holding out to get Tyrese Maxey involved in that deal. And Chris, 
if you were had an opportunity to go get Ben Simmons, I think you had to do it, right? Well, that's the thing. I don't think that Ben Simmons was actually on the table. If he was on the table, I think no question, you at least trade James Harden for Ben Simmons straight up. Like so, like, ben so like Sh- Shams ben is Sim- saying all day that ben-, ben Simmons was involved. So assume for a second that he was on the table, he was available. Why didn't they do that? Why did they prefer this package? I think Houston was getting desperate as they didn't want to spend another 24-hour news cycle about James Harden and where he was going to go and what the speculation with the trade was. I think this was a formidable grab, but I think you made a great point before our podcast that this was like Chris Tapp's Porzingis-like trade. Like the the return simply wasn't, it doesn't equate to the level of player James Harden was. Now the Nets have a chance to make the NBA title. And the Sixers, I mean, they're probably number three, number four, uh, but the Nets jump jump to the list as 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 you as you mentioned the nets have so much potential right now i think my biggest question is how you share the ball in that team yeah i think that the sharing the ball concept is going to be really interesting i'm more concerned with defensively how they look because kyrie irving's a guy who's played good defense at times and has not tried on effort defensively at times same thing with james harden although to a lesser degree i I haven't seen james harden play much defense in the last few years kevin durant's a very good defensive player but he's coming off a torn achilles do you really want him as your defensive anchor jared allen was their best defensive you know guy there he was kind of the you know the rim protector he's gone so now you're relying on an older deandre jordan who hasn't looked great defensively in a few years you know joe harris is there i'm not sure about him defensively so I think that's a concern because at the end of the day, no one can stop them. Like if they can share the ball, as you said, no one offense, no one defensively can stop them. But, you know, can they stop other teams? Like to me, are they just a, you know, star powered Atlanta Hawks? Are they just kind of like a team that's going to, you know, win and lose games 140 to 135? I mean, it's tough to say. I think, um, in the Nets games that I've seen, they've been solid defensively. They're they're gritty defensively. But then again, I, I didn't see them with Kyrie and James Harden on the floor. So it might be a completely different squad now that you have to mesh those two other guys together. I think this team has enough to, to, to beat anybody offensively, quite honest with you. And if this all works out, they can surge through the regular season and really make some noise in the playoffs. I just don't see it. I just don't see a team outlasting them seven games. Except maybe the Lakers are the only team that I think could beat them. But the Nets, to me, are the best team in the Eastern Conference right now. Yeah, I I agree. I think, again, I think there are issues here. Uh, I think it's going to take them a little while to learn how to play together. I could see them losing a couple of closed games and everyone freaking out about how they're not as good as we thought they would be. But as you said... I think they're the favorites that come out of the East. They will figure it out. There's so much time. They have 60 games before the playoffs right now. So I would think uh, a Lakers-Nets finals is where we're heading. Right. And and the other thing, too, like this team isn't getting close to the same amount of flack that the Miami super team got a few years a few years ago. I mean, I think it's for different different, cer- different, different circumstances, circumstances um, for sure. I mean, Durant's already but, won. Irving's already won. So I think there's less pressure on them from that point of view. It also seems as if they they don't care as much is the wrong word, way to describe it. But, like, Kyrie's not yeah. there. And, you know, like, James Harden, 
just, you know, throw a fit in Houston and get out of there. So it's, there's pressure on them for sure. But like those guys teamed up in Miami because they wanted multiple championships. That's not the reason they teamed up in Brooklyn. We don't know what the reason they teamed up in Brooklyn is. I think they just, I mean, Kyrie and Durant are buddies and they wanted to play together. And like, I'm sure they, they want to win championships. Obviously I'm not saying they don't, but it's, you know, it's a very different circumstance to me, if that makes sense. And then James Harden was also traded there. Right. It's, it's technically a different circumstance, but if you remember James Harden had, had places that he wanted to go and the nets were one of them. So to say that, for sure, it's not the same circumstance, but that there wasn't an element of cons- con- like conspiring amongst them isn't a crazy thought to me. But I will say that this super team, this particular super team, is has three big villains. And could you imagine a LeBron finals against that team? It's going to be and fun because LeBron LeBron's going to be the, LeBron's going to be the the hero oh. of that. I mean, how right. things change is, is it's unbelievable. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. But, you know, a, as you said, you know, I think there is less pressure on them. Yes, James Harden did want to be in Brooklyn. He did get the trade to go to Brooklyn. But, like, you know, he was not playing great basketball. He looks like he's overweight. Durant's coming off the torn Achilles. We're not really sure where Kyrie's head's at. So it's like I think there is definitely less pressure on them compared to that LeBron team. But at the same time, they should be – going to the finals within, you know, if it's not this year, the next year. Also, one note about the Nets thing. Isn't it frustrating that, like, okay, so we don't know exactly what Kyrie Irving is away from the team right now. Um, The official reason is personal reasons, but we've seen videos of him partying with his family without a mask. Um, But if this were to happen to the Knicks, the Knicks would have not heard the end of the day of it. They would have gotten so much criticism they would have said X, Y, and Z about the Knicks, that they're so dysfunctional. And the Nets aren't even close to that. Yeah. Um, no, everyone's they, like, oh, poor, poor, they, poor Steve Nash, poor Durant. You don't hear, you, you know, if this was the Knicks, you just said it, they would be like, oh, my God, this is the most dysfunctional organization in sports. They can't even find their players. They virtually wiped away that news cycle by trading for James Harden. They did. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about Kyrie Irving really quickly. I mean, look, we don't know his his mental health situation. Obviously, that is super important. I'm not criticizing him for that. But as a player making $35, $36 million a year, he owes it to the organization. He owes it to his team to tell them what's going on to a degree. He needs to tell them, hey, I'm not going to be back for X amount of days. Here's why. And whether they agree with that explanation or not, he owes it to them. Because right yeah. now, Listen. it's not – yeah, go ahead. Listen, I think I think if Kyrie Irving said, I'm going through a tough time in my life, I need to step away from the game of basketball, he would have come out looking like, like a redeemable figure, like someone who, who, who cares about his mental health. And he doesn't and, even need to come out to the media and do it. He, he needs to just right. tell his team. And his team can be like, we know what's going on. He has our full support. We're not taking any comments at this time. That's it. But for, Ooh, for Nash and it. Marks, to, who are very professional guys, to come out and say, we don't really know where he, where he is. We don't know if he's coming back. They asked uh, Steve Nash yesterday, they said, is Kyrie Irving going to play again this year? And he said, sure. Sure. 
So, I mean, I, it just comes off as terrible. And as you just correctly said, it's like this James Harden trade washes away this dysfunction. Yeah. Um, and I think the James Harden trade kind of protects them a little bit in case Kyrie Irving doesn't come back. Yeah. Which I mean, which will be another interesting conversation to have next week if if once we know more about the situation. Well, I mean, like, can you imagine if they traded James Harden to Philly instead and Kyrie Irving doesn't come back and Durant gets frustrated being a second round and out team playing by himself and he goes, hey, I'm going to go uh, back to Golden State. I'm going to go finish my career in, in Oklahoma City, maybe. And then all of a sudden, the Nets are kind of holding the bag with no stars after all this. I, yeah, That's why you have to make this move if you're Brooklyn. You have to get him that star insurance. Yeah, and... Quite honestly, they didn't give up much to get Harden anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the first round picks, those could be, you know, we could be sounding pretty dumb about those if uh, all of a sudden those guys leave or get old. But as of now, you gave up two players, Levert and Allen, who are good young players, See, but financially they weren't going to be able to keep around long term. Yeah, and but here's... Yeah, here's my but here here's my take on those first round picks though. Like we don't know what those will be. We don't know what players they'll turn into, and we're we're technically right today. We could be wrong five years from now. But you know some of these picks never pan out. Um, and Sean Marks has shown that he's a good enough GM to find gems out of nowhere. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you. But uh, let's get to a team uh, that is. Uh, go ahead. What? No, no, no. <laughs> Go ahead. We're going to talk uh -oh. about the Knicks. Yeah, I was going to say, let's get to a team that is uh, wrong today and probably wrong five years from now as well. The New York Knicks. Five and seven. They've crashed back down to earth. Four losses in a row, including a beatdown by Durant and the Brooklyn B team Wednesday night. And Chris, I know I shouldn't be, but I'm already getting annoyed by these Thibodeau rotations. You saw Obi Toppin. He, he came back and he played 57 seconds into the game. And Thibodeau said after uh, the net loss that, you know, he didn't like the matchups. He didn't think uh, he was ready because of the practice time. And I get that. But look, the idea of this season for the Knicks is to identify which young players are part of your future core. And to see him playing, you know, Alfred Payton 40 minutes a night and, you know, Julius Randle playing 42 minutes a night. It doesn't seem like they have the big picture in mind. <sighs> Well, it's it's really tough to say because I know you don't like the rotations, but I think with the exception of Peyton, I think the rotations are fine up to this point. If you take a closer look at the players who are playing tonight, you know, a lot of a lot of minutes again for Robinson, a lot of minutes again for Randall, a lot of minutes for Emmanuel quickly, Barrett. Those four guys right now are what we consider the core of this team and Knox has shown that he can show can can really stroke it from the three-point line you know I'm not a fan of Peyton either I don't want to see him play that many minutes um, it seems to it team seems to be riding on that Alfred Peyton train I hope he gets off it really soon quickly should be the one starting we we've been saying it from the start of the season and well I've been saying it since preseason but Quickly 
is at least an offensive threat. He knows how to draw fouls. He passes the ball, and he can shoot the three. Those are things that Alfred Payton can't do well. Yeah. Uh, let's forget the development for a quick second. Let's talk about, you know, Thibodeau and trying to make the playoffs now. I still don't think these rotations make any sense. And, like, for example, you have Julius Randle. They're playing Denver. He, you know, they're down 20, 25, 30 points. They're playing again the next night in Charlotte, and he's got Julius Randle playing 42 minutes. Like, what is going on here? And, like, this is a guy who has been injured in his career for several, you know, important times, including his Laker days. And you're playing him these max minutes. He leads the league in minutes with R.J. Barrett. Two Knicks lead the league in minutes. And you you play him then again the next night. And, you know, Breen and Clyde are talking on the broadcast about how he looks gassed. And, like, if, you're, if your goal is to make the playoffs, you got to be smarter than that. This is Jim Boylan-level coaching at this point. I think Tibbs and Jim Boylan are not in the same stratosphere. It's a Jim Boylan. For yes. For it's one. It's a Jim Boylan for decision. One. That's the only guy who would make that decision, in my mind. Listen, if if Thibodeau thinks that you have a chance to win the game, but you're down by 25, leave, but by by leaving Randall in, then so be it. If 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 the reason is to, for him to get more reps with the team, however it looks like, so be it. We we can't we can't fall under the trap of of criticizing what he's doing here in a small sample size. Like we're not even we're not even a quarter past of the season yet. So. I think in our next show, which will probably hit the quarter mark of the season, we could address what we like so far and what we don't like. I'm sure you have a lot that you don't like. But at the core of it all, Steve, remember that the most important thing for this team is to know what we have in Randall, what we have in Mitchell Robinson, what we have in Knox quickly, (laughs) quickly. And, you know, so far, we've seen that Mitch has improved. Mitch has improved defensively. He's close to a double-double machine every night. Noxon showed that he can shoot the three. And granted, he could miss all his three-pointers from now to next week, and then it's a different conversation. You know, R.J. RJ Barrett is struggling. We can say that definitively. He's been struggling bad. Randall has shown to be an inc- a stats monster. He's playing really well. He's playing, you know, all-star caliber. But these are the things that we know so far. And I, I'm not sure if we would have found that out with another coach. So at least with Tibbs, we're knowing these things right now. And I think that's something to keep in mind of. And if you ignore the Peyton thing, then, you know, we can move forward and see, like, next week where we can really get into, like, what we like and what we don't like about Thibodeau. Yeah, that's all very good points here. I I agree with that. It's been a short sample size, and I was giving you one example of one random game on a Sunday night. I get it. Let's let's move on from that. Give them the benefit of the doubt and hope that uh, things improve. And look, my point is usually when you're getting blown out like that and you rest the starters, all of a sudden one random guy could give you a spark. You know. Uh, an unexpected turn of events where you find something in some, you know, guy on the bench who wasn't playing many minutes. And maybe that guy gives you a couple of weeks of great play. It's happened before with the Knicks. It's happened with Jeremy Lin. It happened with Trey Burke a few years ago. And like, I don't see a scenario right now where he's ever going to let them do that because he's just, he is dead set on this eight man rotation of these eight guys. And if any of those guys go down, it's going to be a seven man rotation or a six man rotation. And, we're never going to know if any of these other guys can play. Chances are, you know, Ignis Brasdikas is not going to be the Knicks' answer. But 
I like the idea of if you're getting blown out in a game, instead of playing Julius Randle 42 minutes that night, you play him 35 minutes that night. And you say, no doubt, but I still, Steve, I still think the season's early though. Like, it is early. I'm can't... bringing up one example. Yeah. I, I, I think Along that with Thibodeau's are... career. Those, are... <laughs> those opportunities will come up. And, you know, right now the team is what it is the team that can't shoot. We're seeing this every night. Um, and Thibodeau hasn't figured that out. We'll we'll get into those 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 well deserved. Let me give you an example there. The okay. Nets had nine guys tonight. Instead of playing six of them for forty minutes a night, they let this kid Reggie Perry play. He's second round pick. He lit the Knicks up. He was five of seven shooting. He had eleven points off the bench in twenty one minutes. Now they might be able to use him in a future game. He might be able to come be more comfortable in a future spot. And that's not something I see Thibodeau doing again. It is early. You are right. Maybe he changes his ways. But based on the way his career has gone, he's not willing to do that. And I don't think that's great for morale to say basically there's no circumstance where a bench guy, a bench warmer can get into a game. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, just uh, I don't know. It is what it is. I mean, again, it is early. Though. You are right. I mean, the the one thing I will say is that him pulling Obi tonight and not playing him in the fourth when we were down 13 didn't make much sense. I'll give you that one. Aside from that, I think he's been maximizing a lot of the other younger players, and I, I do appreciate that. Yeah, and again, I think Leon Rose deserves a lot of credit for that. He did not put a bunch of vets on this team that will, you know, clock up those minutes. You know, they didn't put, you know, two point guards in front of Quickly who would never let him play. They didn't, you know, add a bunch of veteran centers and, and wings who were going to, you know, take away time from R.J. Barrett, and we'll see if that pays off for them. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting too upset talking about the Knicks, so let's move on. Uh, let's get to our final. Let's get to our final thoughts, Chris. Right after this. All right, Chris, we are back. The three and eight Wizards continue to have problems. Westbrook is hurt. Apparently, he's had a setback and he may miss a month. This is looking really bad. Thomas Bryant, since our last show, tore his ACL, so they're down their starting point guard. They're down their starting center, and. The Wizards' season is in the hands of can Bradley Beal average more than 30 a game, or can Denny Avia or Rui Hachimura, their you know, lottery picks the last two years, take a step forward? We will see, but Chris, this looks like an early contender for number one pick. Are you saying there are competition to get um, Cade Cunningham? Absolutely. I mean, I, I wonder how soon we'll start to hear trade talks for Bradley Beal. I think that's the next person that we're going to see moved. You know, another season where Bradley Beal is being, his career is being wasted. I think I'm just having a hard time seeing where he could go. Well, he's he's a great shooter. He's a great scorer. He could fit next to anyone. He could play on or off the ball. So I think he can go anywhere. The, the thing is with them is they've been very reluctant to trade him. And they said, basically, we're not trading him unless he chooses that he wants to go. And as of now, he's been very optimistic about his situation in Washington. I mean, I don't think anybody's really talked to him about it in the last couple of days since his we can't guard a parked car quote. But I think oh I think realistically, uh, the offseason might be the time where Beal goes, and we'll see about that. Uh, one guy I think that is going to be on the block is Andre Drummond. We mentioned him before. Jared Allen He's got to be the center of the future there. You just traded a first-round pick to get him. You're going to have to give him big bucks. Drummond is a free agent. The Cavs trade a late second-round pick to get him last year. Could they get that back from another team? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. 
I think a great fit for him might be Toronto. They've really missed out on Abaka and Gasol, their big man presence. Baines has not been the guy for them. And, you know, his three-point shooting hasn't been great this year in Toronto anyway. So I think if they went to Drummond, you know, they have a future second-round pick to go get Drummond. I don't think offensively they would lose much. And I think they would be a much better rebounding team. Yeah, I, I like the fit of him there, especially as as they've clogged up the front line uh, for the Cavaliers now with that Jared Allen trade. They're going to have to get rid of one of those guys eventually. So it, it makes sense someone like Andre Drummond, uh, a tested vet, would fit in perfectly with the Raptors. You're right. I like that trade a lot, actually. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The question is going to be how did the Raptors fill up the salary to match Drummond's $30 million a year? We will see about that for sure, but that's going to do it here on the All Hoops podcast. Chris, another great show with you as always. I love talking blockbuster trades here. Hopefully we'll get a few more by the trade deadline, and uh, I can't wait. Yeah, buddy. Can't wait for it either. Take it easy. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.